When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf and welcome to another episode of Cleaning Up the Mental Mess, a podcast where I share practical and simple strategies to help you clean up your mental mess so you can help others and live your happiest and healthiest life. In this episode, I have the honor of interviewing Bishop T.D. Jakes on spirituality, mental health, the current pandemic, racism, how the church is failing to address issues like mental health and racism, how what the church should be doing, and so much more. Bishop Jakes also shares some great tips on how he manages his mental health and deals with anxiety and burnout. Bishop T.D. Jakes is one of the most respected and well-known spiritual leaders around the world. Recognized as America's best preacher by Time magazine, as well as one of the nation's most influential and mesmerizing preachers by the New York Times, Bishop Jakes leverages his pioneering vision and instinct to serve others in areas extending beyond the church and has been able to reach millions of people from all socioeconomic backgrounds, races, nationalities, and creeds. In 1996, with minimal resources, T.D. Jakes founded the Potter's House, a non-denominational, multicultural church and global humanitarian organization in Dallas, Texas. The church has since expanded to include more than 30,000 members with more than 50 diverse ministries. Bishop Jakes is also the author of several New York Times best-selling books and a celebrated filmmaker. If you enjoy my podcast and want to know how you can help me continue making them possible, please consider subscribing wherever you listen and leaving a five-star review. And please continue sharing this podcast with friends and family and keep sharing about it on social media. I love seeing what you guys found helpful. One last thing before we begin. If you'd like to receive text messages from me with mental health tips, exclusive content, insider access to sales and events and more, just text Dr. Leaf to 833-285-3747. The details will also be in the show notes. And now on to today's episode. Bishop Jakes, you're one of my favorite people in the world, really. You're, I have learned so much from you, and I know people say this to you all the time, but it is such an honor to just listen to you, to talk to you, to be around you. You're phenomenal. Not only are you spiritual, but you're so deeply intellectual as well, and I love our conversations. So welcome, and thank you so much for doing this podcast with me today. Dr. Lee, thank you for having me. It's a real joy to be with you. I have a great deal of respect for what you do as well. And our last conversation was phenomenal, so I couldn't wait for it. <laughs> I know. I couldn't wait for it as well. It was like one of the best conversations I've had. And, you know, you're an incredible person. And not only are you a spiritual leader, but you're also a voice, an activist. You know, you, you've expanded beyond just the bounds of religion. You've gone out to touch the world. And I, and I just think it's so incredibly admirable. And you're a father and a grandfather and a husband and, and a mentor to so many people. And it's just outstanding. So I, most people know about you, but the first question I want to ask you is, how do you see having a strong spiritual life as a key component of mental health? Well, I think it's critical. I think having a strong spiritual life gives you, grounds you. I think that it mentally stabilizes you. It gives you some place to unload some of the vicissitudes of life. 
the Bible said, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. And if he's going to carry my cares, then why should I? And it gives me some sort of, Jesus called the Holy Spirit another comforter, alos paracletes in the Greek, another one who stands alongside to help. And so the Holy Spirit stands alongside of us to help us with things that are insurmountable for us. And I think the spiritual grounding, especially in times like these, is a vital component to mental health and well-being. Mm, I, I totally agree with you. you know, if I look at the field of quantum physics, it's, it's, the fundam- it's a fundamental science, fundamental to other sciences, and it really helps to understand the incredible wisdom of spirituality. And 95, I don't know if you're I'm sure you're aware of this, but 95% of quantum physicists are actually believe that we come from some kind of supernatural, powerful force that we connected to that and that within our within our being is this wisdom and we immersed in wisdom and they've even we've even there's even people like sir roger penrose who's done mathematical calculations showing that we live in love and it just goes to the whole fact that we in god we live move and have our being that we are made of love that we live in love and there's all this wisdom and i see spirituality as this almost mathematical wisdom that we have access to when we really think deeply about things have you ever thought of it that way it's another way of looking at spirituality well well no but yes but it's a very good way of looking at it indeed and i think in our essence we actually are more spirit than we are flesh yeah and tying down into the substratum of who you really are and how you deal with life in, in your soulish realm as it relates to your mind and your emotions your memories and so forth if they're directed by your spirit rather than your flesh and what your flesh sees your eye gate your ear gate and so forth, you are then better able to differentiate the external from the internal. I tell people all the time, boats never sink because of the water around them. They only sink because of the water that gets in them. Mm, That's brilliant. You you know, you have to build a defense against these external waters because you can't control what's happening around you. You can only control what you let inside of you. That's so true. You know, if you think of it like for three, a person can survive for three weeks without food, three days without water, three minutes without oxygen, but we can't even, we're not even not thinking for three seconds. We're always thinking, we're always active in our spiritual realm. I've done in my research, developed theories of mind. And, and you said just now that we're more spirit than we are flesh. And scientifically, we can we can see that we're literally 99% spiritual, which is that mind, think, feel, choose, all that stuff, and only 1% physical. So that means that we have to tap more into the spiritual. We were always thinking, if, if we can't live without our thoughts, our thoughts are always going, we can go for without oxygen for three minutes, but you can't go without a thought for three minutes. Your mind is always working. So if we haven't got some sort of capturing of thoughts and control of mind, we're going to have a breakdown in ourselves and society. And we're seeing that. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's like a real problem. So in terms of managing mental health, what do you, what do you think is like when you're feeling stressed and overwhelmed and, and things are just like, also it's the, depressing seeing what's going on out there. How do you manage your mental health and how do you tap into this deep inner spiritual wisdom? Well, one thing I learned to turn the noise down, the noise from our television sets and from our 24-hour news cycles repeated over and over in in our head is like a hammer banging on the nail after a while it makes an indentation that can't easily be moved. So the things that I can't control, I do. And then I've learned to vent my thoughts to relationships, not only with prayer and with God, that's the first and primary relationship, but also with other people to just bounce ideas off of, mm-hmm. to communicate, to verbalize. A lot of times we pay a lot of money to go in for therapy and counseling. There's nothing wrong with that. But most of the time, 
But therapy is just about you opening up and talking and letting out what's on the inside. Mm. Whether you do that through journaling or communication, I think it's very, very important. It's like having a window for the soul. It, it kind of ventilates some of the pressure that builds up on the inside. Mm, I love that you're getting it out because it, if you don't get it out, it stays in and, and that really impacts how we function physiologically. And there's so much research. My, my most recent research has confirmed another lot of the connection when you don't get your mind under control, your brain actually immediately changes. It's always changing. Our brain's always changing by our mind. So our spirit's always directing the flesh. It's always directing the brain. So if we don't Get quiet. Like you've said, we're going to not get that order and then it's chaos. I love that. So it's just taking that time out and, and, and talking to others, as you say, trust, trusted other people, getting that, that stuff out of us and expressing it. It's just so important. And, you know, sometimes something as simple as a hobby that takes your mind away from what you do every day, whether it's building or cooking. Or yeah, you love your cooking. I saw that chicken you did the other day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like to cook a little bit. Yeah. And one of the reasons I like to cook is you can't think about anything else and cook very well. So you have to focus on what you're doing and watch what you're doing. And it makes me not think about other things. And to those of us who have overactive brains, it kind of helps to discipline our thought process and throws yeah. us away. We don't necessarily have to sit in a lotus position and chant, but we can do some other things that take our mind away from the day-to-day things that we do and kind of give us a little mental vacation without leaving the house. I love that. So the big thing that I'm hearing you say is to give our brain and mind that rest because our mind never stops, but our brain runs out of energy. So doing something that actually allows you to rest that constantly working things out, especially in the environments that we live in. And especially if you do, if you're an activist or if you're just very aware of what's going on around you, to just have those distractions that are constructive. It helps a lot to relieve some of the stress and the pressure mm-hmm. and tension, whether it's shadow boxing or the treadmill or going for a walk or something like that. Some physical exercise kind of helps to de-escalate the buildup that we take from adrenaline and fight or flight syndromes and puts us in a little calmer mode, especially mm-hmm. before we lay down at night. It's very helpful. So good. I totally agree with you. When I go to Orange Theory and I'm on that treadmill, I can't think of anything except staying alive. So <laughs> it really does distract you. And there's also the great benefit that they just found fairly recently that when you do exercise, it releases a chemical into your brain called the hope chemical. They're actually, they're actually calling it the hope chemical, which I thought is so amazing. I mean, how is that with our design that God gives us? When you move, you actually release chemicals that are hope chemicals. I just found that Beautiful. Such a great thing. So you have obviously in your lifetime and just the journey that you've taken faced so many obstacles and everyone does. It's life. I mean, it's being a human, you're going to face obstacles and you face a lot in your professional and personal career. How have you dealt with those? What is it? What advice? And you, I know you so full, this could be 10 volumes of books, but could you give us some sort of pearls of wisdom on obstacles in life? And I think the, the prayer of a sister has a great deal of power. Lord, help me to change the things I can and, and, and to recognize the things that I cannot change and, to, and the wisdom to know the difference mm. is very, very important. So good. So many times we're worried about things that we can't do anything about. And I kind of put that over in the God column and leave that over there with him. The things that I can do something about, we are in many ways the architect of our own environment. And so if you don't like the way your life is going, change it mm-hmm. to the degree that you can. And that can be as simple as playing music in the house or lighting candles or, or going for a walk or getting in the car and going for a ride. You don't have to just sit and stew in the same situation all the time. 
change it to make it more comfortable for you and what fits your personality and how you are as an individual without feeling guilty that you need to do that. I mean, you should give yourself permission Mm -hmm. to rearrange your life, to make it better for you and to learn the art of saying no. You know, you just have to be able to say no. And I hate to say no. I hate disappointing people. I love to please people. Mm -hmm. But I'm learning that in order to be sustainable, you have to say no because you're a limited resource. You're not unlimited. You're not infinite like God. And you have to have limitations and respect those limitations. And saying no to people Mm -hmm. helps you to be able to say yes more effectively. When you do say yes, you can be totally focused. Because you haven't said yes so much that you're burnt out trying to please everybody and depleting yourself. Mm, I love that. Because if you try and please everybody, it's just not going to be very effective. So it's to say no so that you can be effective. That's a good policy, a good good thing to put put into place in one's life, saying no so that you are effective in the yeses. The early church, the disciples, there were many cities that they wanted to go into that the Holy Spirit forbade them to go into. And the the times that the Holy Spirit forbade them to go into certain cities made them more effective when they went into other cities. And when you read the book of Acts, you begin to realize that God had a strategy, that the cities that he did send them to were empires either politically, economically, or socially, or linguistically, and so they could have the greatest impact. And so particularly as you get older, you learn to put your energy where you can have the greatest impact. Mm-hmm. And where you can accomplish the most, rather than to do everything that you can do, you focus on the things that you ought to do. Mm. And in that process, Bishop Jakes, don't sometimes people will try and make you feel bad about your decision. So there's always the people obstacle in that process. What's your advice in that situation where people are drawing on you and you have to, you know, create some boundaries there? <laughs> you have to give yourself room to grow. And to evolve from what, so that you can stop being who you used to be, so that you can be who you're, you're becoming. And in so doing, I have learned that my no creates an opportunity for somebody who's been waiting on a chance. And, and what I call being loyal to people is often standing in someone else's way, who mm. sees that as a great blessing. And, and I'm burdened by it, and they're blessed by it. And if I get out of the way, they can get their blessing, and I can be free to do what is my highest and best use. Knowing what is your highest and best use, I think, is ultimately important because if you contort yourself into everything that everybody needs you to be mm-hmm. at the expense of being who you were created to be, you distort yourself and become uncomfortable like any distortion. If you hold in a position that is distorted long enough, you're going to do damage to yourself trying to be something that you really are not. Mm, that's brilliant. You know, we saw in my re- recent clinical trials, we saw when people try and distort them, to use your analogy, when people try and distort themselves to please other people and then they suppress who they really are, you, you actually see that pattern in the brain and it causes so much anxiety. You get all these like red blobs across the brain, like a tsunami through the brain. So we think we can hide it. We think we can consciously shove down stuff and pretend it's not there and be everything for everyone else and not be true to ourselves. But we're destroying our bodies. We're creating inflammation. We even saw the DNA affected when people were doing that kind of thing. So this is so real what you're saying. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's very important for your own well-being. And if you're not there, if you're not well yourself, you can't help other people. So as much as you love your children, your spouse, your congregation, your friends, your staff, or whoever it may be, if you don't, to, why don't, you need to love them enough to take care of you. Oh, I love that. You need to love them enough to take care of you. And, and that's not being selfish. That's being survival. It's actually survival. 
And that makes me think about our first sort of beginning of the discussion, which is that tapping into the spiritual nature, because one of the things I want to ask you is that with the modern era and the advance of technology, and we've developed a hurry sickness, and that's changed a lot now during COVID because we've been forced to slow down, which I think is fantastic because people are now having to get in touch with the deep thoughts, the deep spiritual nature, the non-conscious part of us, and not everyone likes it. So they think, oh, there's something wrong with me because there's all these things coming up, but that's good because unless you capture the thoughts, unless you're aware you can't change it, which is a, a spiritual principle. And see, science, which is spiritual, confirms the same thing. It has helped. I think I have a work addiction and it has helped me to slow down. I don't think I would slow down on my own. David said he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Maketh. Yeah, yeah. It's not always that I want to. He maketh me to lie down in green mm-hmm. pastures. And then says, he restoreth my soul. And so something about lying down in green pastures has something to do with the restoration of the soul. And I think that those of us who have a tendency to be workaholics can be just as detrimental as alcoholics or any other type Mm. of alcoholic behavior where you become too out of balance Mm. with life. And so this has been a a time of deep interflection and, and deep thought and and really wrestling with the complexity of the problems of the times we're living in now and trying to find out from the noise of what everybody else thinks and says, what do I really think about that? And thinking as deeply and as fairly. Uh, I try to think in a 360 sort of fashion, that is to say, to look at it from all sides and all perspectives and then try to come up where even if I don't agree with another person, I like to understand where they're coming from. Now, it makes me wiser. It makes me more effective mm-hmm. when I communicate with them. And so in order to understand where they're coming from, I have to look at the issue from their perspective. And looking at the issue from their perspective helps me to better understand how to neutralize the issue and, and hopefully be more solution-oriented than just rehearsing the problem. Mm, I love that. So in other words, being comfortable with uncomfortable conversations and not shying away, which has become very common in the in the last sort of 20, 30 years, if not longer, to just, oh, you're not like me. I'm not going to listen to you. What you're saying is actually, let me hear you, even if I don't agree, but let me learn, because there's always going to be something you don't agree with, but there's also going to always be something you do agree with, and we can grow in the process. Yes, we have a tendency to be tribalistic. Yeah. And I think our country is really suffering from it Mm. right now. We have gotten comfortable in our silos. We create our own reality. We watch the shows that reinforce our worldview. We listen to news that agrees with how we see the world. And we never get out of our box to get to an absolute truth. We get to a truth, but it's not the truth because it's a truth that reinforces our own perception. And I often tell people, when you write the books that you read, your truth becomes distorted because you never irrigate it with another perspective. Mm, and, uh, our so good. Loaded with that kind of Loaded with it. It's so true, and it's it's become so evident now. And I'm going to throw almost like throw another a span in the works or, or another angle of looking at this. That what you've said is absolutely, I totally agree with you. But don't you think maybe the rhetoric that we're seeing now, this very vicious, argumentative, tribalistic, it's actually coming out in the open. So what we knew was there, but it was suppressed because we were so busy doing our thing and living our lives and weren't really challenged. Now we're in a situation where you have to change how you're doing life. So now all the uglies coming to the surface. So it's like if you dealing with a trauma, you have to, you know, bring all the ugly up. So now we're in the situation where we are forced to deal with what's going on in ourselves and everyone's just 
pouring out this rhetoric. So now that we are aware, we can actually see that we can make the, dis- the, the, the distinction that this is all this ugliness, but now we can change it because we are aware of it. It's not suppressed. It's not under the surface. It's not kind of, it's there in our faces. We can't avoid it. One of the things I learned from doing television, why I got on to, especially on secular television, I began to understand how much research goes into programs. And they build the program around what will titillate the senses or what, what you're afraid of or what you're concerned about, your deepest issues. And so especially when it comes to news, not just entertainment, but to news, they're playing us against each other and because conflict sells. You, if you, you never write a story about a plane that lands, you write the story about the plane that crashes. Mm-hmm. So they need a certain, a certain amount of planes to crash in order to keep you captivated and glued to the television set. That's why they, when they go to commercial break, they say, when we come back, we're going to be talking about they're trying to hold you in your seat so that you don't hit the remote control and drift away. Yeah. So what happens is a lot of the arguments that we see on TV are done by people who are paid to argue. And then after they get through arguing, they go off and have lunch together because it's a job. And we're ready to pull each other's hair out because we don't separate a fiction yeah. from reality. That's so relevant. And they've often spoken about that as being the negativity bias in the brain. But I don't think it's a negativity bias at all. If you look at the science, what it is is that we're wired for love because we're made in God's image. So what's normal is for humans to actually operate in their uniqueness in an enhancing way. So when we operate in that fighting, arguing, if we pay attention to that because it's so abnormal, not because it's normal. So we're drawn to it because it's in an imbalance that we need to fix. So yes, they play on that. So we've got to kind of turn that around and make it work for us. And I think we kind of at that point in in history now where we that conflict and imbalance is just it's just pervasive and it's out there. How can we now take that and say, okay, this is abnormal? And people are starting to you know say that. I don't know if you if you see that, if you look at the conversations, people have actually had enough. There's a desire to to get the peace back again or to get resolution or to, you know, let's all just come together. And I was talking I was interviewing someone in Canada the other day and they were saying, what is wrong with you Americans? You know, why are you all fighting? We just like put on our masks and do what we're supposed to do. You know, you kind of think, yeah, you know, it's we, it's time for us to start looking differently at things. We're being manipulated. We're being manipulated. We're being told what to hate. We're being told what things mean. We be, we're being told what what's really behind the curtain. And a lot of times uh, they manipulate us according to our deepest and darkest fears. Uh, and it's the slow seduction uh, that, mm-hmm. that uh, our eye gate gets through viewing certain images on television that seduces us like a child molester seduces a child with candy. And after a while, you're in a band with a stranger, even though you've been told not to get in the presence of strangers, Mm. because we're looking at the candy, we forget about the stranger. And so we will listen to somebody that we don't know, tell us about somebody that we do know, and form an opinion about them based on what they said about them, because Mm. we're looking at the candy. And we're looking at the candy, and the next thing you know, we're we're in the van, and we don't even know how we got there. Mm. And that's not being spiritual at all. No, no, not at all. It's not being spiritual and it's not being fair. Uh, It's not being fair. If we would just try to be fair and try to be just uh, and and to love your neighbor as you love yourself, which Mm -hmm. was two of the greatest commandments that Jesus gave. Mm -hmm. And and a lot of times we, we have so much grace for ourselves 
and so little for anyone else. Mm, that's you know, I love that you said that because there's so much all over social media about give yourself grace, give yourself compassion, and we do need to do that. But you've said the opposite. You've said we give ourselves more grace than we give others, and you're right because at the moment everyone's just slamming everyone else, you know. And there's the camps. It's as you said, so tribalistic. So what is the solution? I know that you that we can't. It's not simple. But what do you think we should be doing at the moment? I, th- I think one of the things that stops us from having a more perfect union in this country is that we only talk to people that we agree with. Mm-hmm. And we never have the courage for fear of being being ridiculed or consternation. We, we hold our thoughts within until we get with people who agree with us and they reinforce us. So we never are challenged to go beyond it. But I've been telling people that if reason people stop talking, Mistakes and all, getting it wrong at all, trolls mm-hmm. on social media at all. If you stop talking and resets back inside of yourself, then the only people left to have the conversation is unreasonable people. Oh, and then you increase the unreasonable. Yeah, you increase the unreasonable. So the next thing you know, you've got all types of crazy behavior and shootings and killings and riotings and lootings and all of that. But all of that is the judgment that is incurred upon people who are reasonable for remaining silent because it is not really, as Dr. King said, the actions of wicked people that cause the country to go down. It is the silence of good people that will not speak up and will not be heard. And when we're silent long enough, we are punished with the unreasonable taking over the course and the direction of our lives. Mm, you know, you've, that I'm so glad you said that. We had that conversation when you had a group of us uh, recently, you had that Zoom meeting with a group of us pastors and people, uh, leaders and so on. And that was that whole thing of being able to speak out and not to be f- afraid of, oh, this one's not going to like me. We have to get beyond that, don't we? We have to kind of grow up and start having those conversations. And it's everyone. But this, how do we make love thy neighbor into a practical thing? How do we start doing that? The big word is listening. I love that. Beautiful. It's just listening. We're so so better at talking than we are at listening. And generally, when we get into a conversation, we enter into the conversation to defend our position rather than to listen at our opponent. And sometimes Mm. listen at your opponent, you could grow and alter your position to be wiser and more balanced and, and more righteous. But we're not really listening. It's, I counsel a lot of couples, and most couples end up getting divorced, not because they don't talk, but because they don't listen. They're mm. talking at each other, but they never listen to each other to really see what the world looks like from your side of it, and then to better understand what can I do to make that a little bit better for you. Mm, that is so powerful. And listening is, is a skill that is something, listening, you said it very clearly, you're not listening with your opinion, you need to listen with no opinion, you need to listen with tuning into the other person, no opinion, no judgment, no thinking what you're going to say next, but just hearing what that person's got to say. Can you imagine if we actually got our minds around that, that we could actually think, feel and choose in a, in a, in a situation, if we could put these politicians that are at, at each other's throats and put these groups that are at each other's throats and sit around and and, and and just listen, there would be common ground. A lot they- of common ground. And we're not that different. And, and, yeah. and listen with a sense of curiosity. You know, that's what makes therapy work so well. Is somebody listening with curiosity. Well, how long have you felt that way? What, what, what are the triggers that made you respond that way? Sometimes we are so narcissistic that yeah. we're not curious about other people. You know, we're not really curious about what is it like to be you? And, and what would it be like if I were you? Would I feel the same way that I do? 
I have I think crazy thoughts. Sometimes I <laughs> sometimes <laughs> I, I will eat something like spinach and wonder, does it taste to me the same way it does to you? <laughs> you, you, you know, just yeah, all, bread is bread, yeah. You know, are you having the same experience? Experience, yeah. That I am. The fact that we live in the same city, yeah, or we live in the same country, does not mean that we're having the same experience. experiences. Yeah. In fact, we can live in the same house and not have the same experience. Exactly. And so you walk away and you say, well, no, it's wonderful. Well, it might be for you, but is it for me? And if not, what can we do to make it better so that we can both be happy while we share this brief experience that we call time? There has to be a way where your happiness doesn't, doesn't exist off of the cannibalistic tendency we have to feed off of other people. Mm, which is so self-destructive. Yeah, it is very destructive. It is self-destructive. It is destructive for society. And it's only a matter of time before the victim will scream out and fight back. You can only oppress a person so long, and then eventually they will rebel and, and lash out of you. And then, then the people who, are, who often did the oppressing feel victimized because the victim finally spoke up for themselves. And that's exactly what's happening with the whole racist issue in our country at the moment. And we can pivot there because what you're saying, the listening is what has to be done to make the changes. And you so clearly, we've got to listen now and to the changes that are happening. And, and, and as you said, that the, the, the perpetrators, it sounds, they make themselves a victim, but they're the ones that were doing the oppressing. But now they've been made aware of it and they feel all hard done by. And we're seeing that in front, we're seeing that in our country, but globally too, but it's really evident now. I think the fact that so many people responded all over the world says that it is not just unique to America, but also resonated with people all over the world. Yeah. It's about power and who we give it to and how do we hold them accountable for the power that they have. Mm. Because everybody with power has to have accountability or they become a tyrant. And mm. it doesn't matter who That's you so good. Too much power without any accountability is going to make you a tyrant. And we have to be careful. The founding fathers of this country sought to equalize their power, neutralize their power by spreading the power. Yeah. Three branches of government. And we need that spreading of power in the government. We need that spreading of power in a family, in a marriage, in a life. Boundaries, what you're in charge of, what I'm in charge of, so that we don't infringe on each other. My wife and I have been married 38 years, and we've been married 38 years because when she's in charge of something, I don't get in it. And when I'm in charge of something, she doesn't get in it. And if she asks me her advice, I for advice, I give it. But if she doesn't, I don't because mm. that's her area of rule. And having boundaries, the first thing God did when he created the earth was set up boundaries, you know, from the yeah. water, from the earth, from the firmament above the waters, firmament beneath the, beneath the waters. Until you set up boundaries, you're going to have chaos. And so mm -hmm. setting up boundaries creates an order where we can live and cohabitate together more effectively without infringing on each other in a way that is destructive. Mm, that's brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. And, and that's, a, that's a, a, an enhancement kind of culture. Before we continue with today's episode, I want to tell you about the most useful app on my phone. It's called Blinkist. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, the need-to-know information from thousands of non-fiction books and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read 
or listen to. Blinkist is made for busy people like you who want to get the main points of a book quickly so that you can start using the information right away. And with its audio feature, Blinkist makes it easy to finish a book while you clean your house, exercise, or my personal favorite, while you go for walks. I love using Blinkist as part of my daily brain-building routine, which is a great way to boost my mental health and mood. Learning new things has been scientifically shown to not only improve cognition, but also reduce anxiety and depression. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed non-fiction books, all the books you want, and all for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash Dr. Leaf, try it free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelt B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash Dr. Leaf to start your free seven-day trial. And you'll also save 25% off but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash Dr. Leaf. The link will also be in the show notes. You know, we live in such a competitive culture. So if we bring in what you said about let's listen and then not have, you, if you can't have power without accountability, otherwise you become a tyrant. So if we're listening and if we are accountable to the, the individual power that each of us does have, because each of us is, can do something that someone else can't do, which is part of our unique gifting. And if we have that combination of accountability and listening, we can start reshaping how we look at society. And I've been speaking a lot recently and thinking a lot recently about how we need to come back to a culture of enhancement versus competition, because competition always implies that zero-sum game, someone's going to be the loser, whereas enhancement implies that there's always going to be a winner. And if you look at brain science and mind-brain science particularly, when you actually lift someone else up, you see an increase in health function in the brain and intellectual, not just the brain and the body. So in other words, enhancing someone else enhances your own brain and body health and mind. But if you, if you bring someone down, if you're jealous, envious, if you're in negative competition, you actually cause brain damage. You can actually see the damage in the brain, literal brain damage, and then damage in the body. Like you can get massive low-grade inflammation across the body and your homocysteine can go up and your DNA can shorten and all kinds of things can happen. So if we're getting such dramatic physiological effects and we see that Jesus talked in the garden, I mean, if you think of it, Jesus went in the garden. Jesus is modeling exactly what we should be doing. He went in the garden and, fa- and showed us that we've got to face the issue and it's painful. It's going to take time. I'm going to sweat blood. You're going to feel depression, anxiety, fear. But Jesus showed us you're supposed to do it. You're not supposed to shove it down. You're supposed to bring all these ugly things into society. And it's going to get worse before it gets better. He got crucified, beaten, but he didn't do it alone. Turned to his disciples and said, can you not not give me opioids, give me drugs, take me away from here, push it back down. Let's start a fight and a war. He said, can you just be with me while I go through this processing? And then he gets crucified and then he rises again. So it gets worse, but then it gets better and we rise with our wounds. Can we not get that kind of model going? Does that does that not kind of think of let's get in the garden, let's embrace together, let's process together? I think that's where we are right now as a country. I think that, and oddly enough, the people who are kicking and screaming the most about it are often Christians. Because yeah, that's one of my questions. <laughs> you know, we really, we really want unity, but unity in the church is often a buzzword for suppression. Oof, oof, that's an ouch word. That was so good. Say it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, we say unity, but we really mean suppression. Don't bring wow. up anything. That makes me uncomfortable. Mm. Unity means you comply with what I say, and now we're unified. No, I'm dominated. And so Christians often become very uncomfortable 
with confrontation, but you can't have resolution without confrontation. Mm. So when Jesus goes into Gethsemane to confront those issues, and that's what's being happening right now, mm. America's having a conversation about something that we are hundreds of years late to talk about. Exactly. We wanted to control the dialogue and we wanted to tell the story. We wanted the truth to be the story that we told and not the story of what happened. Mm. And over a period of time, what happened is going to stand up and speak for itself. And we're going through those kinds of corrections right now. But I'm optimistic because I've yearned for us to have the conversations mm. that we're mm. having now. As uncomfortable as they are, yeah. as painful as they are, as frustrating and, and nerve-wracking as they are, and as emotional and painful as they are, being the, the descendant of a slave, I've yearned to have the kinds of conversations that, that gave us a voice and gave us the ability to say, that wasn't fun for me. That might have been fun for you, but that wasn't fun for mm. me. And it left side effects that deeply scarred our community. And we're still deeply scarred because of it. We have issues that exist within our community that are much like trauma from an abused child, which really that abuse is brought about when somebody in power takes advantage of somebody without power. That in, in, a, in sex, we would call it sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. Well, in, in life is still the same side effects, self-loathing, mm-hmm. black-on-black crime, oppression, drug addictions, all of that permeate our society because of, of that unresolved conflict. And I think that now that we are talking and now that we have a voice and now that people have turned around to hear, somebody asked me what it felt like. Uh, what was the difference between 1960 and 2020? I said in 1960, mm-hmm. the marches were almost always black. Not mm-hmm. all, but primarily black. Yeah. It, in, in 2020, there were as many white and sometimes more white people marching than black people. Mm. And I said, when I looked at that and saw that the first few times I saw it, it, it brought tears down my face. And mm. it brought tears down my face because it was like a child who had been molested by his father and his mother never believed him. And they always said when you brought it up that you're race baiting. We have a way of calling you names to shut you down. And now to finally be believed, even if it's not mm. correct, to just be believed that, that George Floyd in the eight and a half or so minutes that he spent up under that knee made the world believe what we have been saying all the time. Mm. And that that is important. The question remains, though, what are we going to do about yeah. it? Yeah. And know, how are we going to sustain it? Yeah. And the thing is, there's been, I can, there, there's been the discussions about the flags and the Confederate flags and about the statues mm-hmm. and about the Aunt Jemima Serp and all of that. And that's really nice and well-meaning and and, and, and important, but those are cosmetics. They tokens, mm, yeah, cosmetic, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like going to the doctor and you tell him you've got cancer, and he says, I'll give you a facelift. Well, yeah. that's nice. I look better, but I still got cancer. And Such we, a good, mm. <laughs> When we cut down to the core of the cancer and really get down to not so much, we, we can't hope to control how people feel. That's a job that only God can do to change the heart. But we can't control how they behave. And that's the difference mm-hmm. between racism and injustice. Racism is your attitude about me. Injustice is how you treat me. Mm. I'm, I'm not so worried about fixing how you feel about me. Mm-hmm. I'm more concerned about fixing how you treat me. 
So mm-hmm. as long as we allow things like qualified immunity to exist for police officers, uh, something that does not exist for doctors, something that does not exist for pilots, look yeah. at how important their roles are in our lives. Our doctors are airplane pilots. Yeah. Working for American Airlines and then switch over and get a job for United. This thing of moving around police who have emotional problems or anger problems from one precinct to the other has been exhibited by the Catholic Church and the priest. Yes. You can't just move a priest to another parish. No. I think you've gotten the problem taken care of. So mm-hmm. uh, in order to deal with that, we have to deal with this, this whole thing about immunity and we have to deal with the whole issue about the police unions and them going beyond fighting for the pay that the police officers well deserve and the benefits that they well deserve mm-hmm. and the hours that they shouldn't be able to work. That's one thing. That's what a union should do. Yeah. So if the union gets involved in an illegal case, in a legal issue and mm-hmm. start reaching over into the legalities of mm-hmm. things, they've overstepped their boundaries. And anytime a union is giving money to a prosecuting attorney and that sort of thing, and mm-hmm. they, have, they feel an obligation to the union, uh, as many unions give to our elected officials, then, then when you talk to the elected official, you're not really talking to the power. You, you have to go back and talk to the unions and talk to the people who put them in office because that's the power it's the that's power. controlling the decisions. And the people are not being represented. We're being taxed, but we're not being represented. Mm-hmm. And our government is becoming increasingly dysfunctional because the taxation, there should be representation with taxation. But now if, we're be, if the politicians are being fed by other sources, then they have to represent who's paying for them rather than represent who's voting for them. Mm. That needs to be repaired. And now yeah. we're starting to cut out cancer. And now we're getting down into systemic racism. Now mm-hmm. we're getting in, into the fact that we have such a high quantity, somewhere around 62% of, of African-Americans mm-hmm. uh, are, are uh, incarcerated. incarcerated unfairly, even when they commit the same types of crimes. They're more likely to be booted out of school than yeah. to, than their white counterparts, except when they have black teachers, which means there is a bias in the school system that we need to deal with that. And there, mm-hmm. there are things like that that we need to get down into the unfair lending practices that you and I could have the same credit score, but you would be more likely to get a loan than me. And these are statistical mm-hmm. facts. Yep, totally facts. So when you look at those sorts of things, the cosmetics are nice, but let's get the cancer out. Because if we get the cancer out, then the anger will go down and the frustration will go down. And we built, and, and, and both Democrats and Republicans have participated yeah. in this. And we built these communities and put uh, all of these people, low-income people, in the same community. And they've, and they've almost been, been sent to an Alcatraz where they can't yeah. the community. They, and consequently, they don't get proper education in those communities because the taxation on the on the property values are lower. So the schools are substandard. The educational opportunities are less. The dropout rates, even here in Fort Worth, are 50%. Yeah. When you look at those high dropout rates, this, it's not the child that's failing, it's the school. It's the school. Yeah. And we've got to get down in that and start dealing with those sorts of things. And if we can begin to have those kinds of conversations, what people have to understand mm. is that lifting me up doesn't bring you down. Exactly. Enhancement culture. 
Yeah, yeah. It increases, yeah. increases brain intelligence and health, yeah. Yeah, it, it's like they're, they're dealing with justice like it's a pie. And if you give me a slice, I took away from yours. A zero-sum game. It's not that, though. It's, it's a multiplication game. It's an exponentially positive game. Absolutely, absolutely. And you can understand that mm. you only make the world better. You only create more doctors, more lawyers, more mathematicians, more people. Because when you have a wreck, you don't care who the paramedic is, what race they are, what gender they are. You just want to get to help. Yeah. So the more we educate people and the more we allow people to participate in society, the better we are. And I think our differences and our diversity may not, it can create unity in the sense of harmony mm. without unison. Exactly. Between unison and harmony. And so yeah. harmony is, is much more beautiful than singing in unison. Because it allows me to sing in the range that my voice is. In. Yes, beautiful. Okay. And I can complement your tone without duplicating your tone. And so uh, I don't have to be white and you don't have to be black and I don't have to act white. And you don't have to act black in order for us to have fellowship or, or I don't have to fake like I'm a Latino because I'm not. But I can enjoy the beauty of that language and I can enjoy the beauty of the culture and I can enjoy the food and sit up and eat in the restaurants and enjoy the distinctions between us rather than homogenizing us into one fluid idea that limits us from being who we really are. Mm, that's brilliantly, so brilliantly said. As you're talking, I'm thinking of like the facets of a diamond. I mean, you've got, you know, the diamond's got all the different facets. And you know, we, we all know this. We speak about this. We know instinctively as humans that what you're saying is the right thing. And that it's, yet there's, there's this, these implicit biases that we just have to get rid of. I just did a 21-day detox online live every day with Michelle Williams from Destiny's Child. We did a 21-day sort of thing where every day we were working on detox the mind to detox society. And one of the things that I was working on because over that time was to see what implicit biases, because yes, con consciously I'm, I'm an activist, but I'm still a white woman and I still grew up in an apartheid era. And I it was only in 91 when I gave birth to my second child that Mandela came into power. So there's a whole history that I have to go and dig around and see what are my attitudes and how am I, you know, and if we can each do that work on ourselves, as you say, when you're doing that work on yourself, you naturally want to listen to other people because it, it creates a learning kind of mindset and I love your analogy of the cancer and, and getting it out because like getting a brain tumor out we, we we've got to go and when, when a person digs out a when a surgeon gets out cancer or takes out a tumor out of the brain, a cancerous tumor, they are going to go through a whole process to and identify it. And what you've described is that there's the cutting open, which has happened. Finally, we, you know, we've cut open and then we've just closed it up. It's like a bandaid on for 400 years. Now we finally have it. It's burst open. Band-aids aren't working anymore. So now we have to go in there and do the work and, and the actual, what is wrong with, what's the best way to defund the police? What's the best way to address the, the, the disparity in education and the disparity in the prison system and we've got to go and not just talk as you say cosmetic surgery and remove statues we've got to go and itemize each of these things and attach a plan to it so it's talking in that way it's actual real action and that will be sustainable so we should be setting up committees and and it looks like it's going to be a lot of grassroots it looks like it's going to be a lot of organizations like yourself and churches and and myself helping coming to it's people it looks like we're going to have to do this from a, almost the grassroots level up it will work if we if we can do this we have a propensity in this country to major on the minor mm. and so if I say Black Lives Matter, you say no, all lives matter. Oh, yeah. I wanted to ask you to talk about that. Yeah. And we start fighting about semantics rather than solving problems. 
And so we have hours and hours and hours of debate over which term ought to be used, all the while our people are being shot to death in the street. George Floyd was just symbolic. It wasn't just so much about him, but it was about all the people that he represented. And all the while we're trying to get the language right, people are being shot to death and killed. All the while we're trying to get the language right, people are flunking out of schools without having proper access to support and finances and food and sleep and rest in order to be excellent in class. All the while we're fighting over which term better describes us. It's it's a way that it's a it's it's a way that America ignores issues. Ah, oh, it's a tactic. It's a tactic it's for a tactic. suppression. It's a tactic. Right yeah. now we're talking about Black Lives Matter was is a secular liberal institution that was founded, not separating they can't seem to separate the organization from the movement. Mm. Where, where the organization is, is founded on secular principles and liberal principles, that doesn't mean that they're wrong about Black Lives Matter. It just means that they were founded by secular principles. But Fox News was secular, okay? And, and we're okay with that. And, and yeah. we're, we're okay with Roger Ailes, and we're okay with the scandals, and we're okay... We're okay when we want to be okay. Cherry picking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it if it meets what I'm trying to get done, if it gets Supreme Court justices appointed, we can put mm-hmm. up with a little toxicity to mm-hmm. get what we want. But then when it comes to what other people need, everything has to be perfect or we won't touch it. And that 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 way that we trick ourselves into being secretly bigoted. It is is a nice way, an excuse not to confront mm. the issue. You might not like the mailman, but the mail is still good. Mm. And, and so I'm not going to open up the mail because I don't believe in the mailman. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You, you still have to open up this mail. You opened it up when it came in other forms. You open it yeah. up when it comes to your benefit. But then when it comes to my benefit, everything has to be perfect. If if a, if a, it's, it's like when a woman says she's been raped and they mm. say, well, were you a virgin? That doesn't have anything to do with being raped. You know, I heard you had a child out of wedlock. That doesn't have anything to do with being. Mm. See, see this way of deflection. A deflection. Rather than, yeah, rather than confrontation, mm. uh, stopped us from really dealing with uh, issues, and it makes the issue keep coming up again. There are two ways to resolve it. Okay. You can cherry pick the issue and say, I don't agree with the organization, but I do care about the movement. I want to be involved with that if you're able to do that. Or you can say, I don't want to be associated with the organization or the movement, but I I care about the issue. So let's start a faith-based version of it. Why should we why should we just shut down the whole thing because we don't believe with something? I've never had a president that I fully agreed with. Mm-hmm. I voted Democrat and Republican, and I've never had a president on either side that didn't do something that made me just think, oh. Yeah. Not again. You know, about that right there. Seriously, yeah. You know, but we learn how to look over that at the polls. Why can't we do that about souls? Why can't we do that about humanity? That's oh, so good. Mm. Why, why can't we do that about your needs? Why, why must we excuse the rapist because the woman wasn't a virgin? Mm. We, we, it's the same issue that we do with women, women that we do with blacks. You know, I, I don't I don't like this person. I don't like that person. So I'm not going to hear it. No, you might not like the mailman or the person who was arrested wasn't perfect. Uh, I, I say to people all the time, we're not asking 
that when we do wrong, that we don't have to face justice. We just don't want justice to be executed on the sidewalk by one person. We don't mm-hmm. want you to be the judge, the jury, yeah. and the executor on a sidewalk with a gun, with a person. I think 62% of the murders of Black men are unarmed Black men. 62 mm, No, that's just, yeah, it's not. 13% of the population. But no, no, that's insane. Murders. That's, that's absolutely insane. But that's the reality. We have a problem here. You know, Houston, we have a problem. Uh, so, yeah. You know, you look at the health disparities that exist right now uh, and COVID-19, the disproportionate way. We're not succumbing to COVID-19 because of some genetic disorientation, mm-mm. but because we have poor access to health care. Exactly. We, yeah, we have food deserts in our neighborhoods. We have more liquor stores than we have grocery stores because we have greasy restaurants that target our community. Then all the nice restaurants are up on the other end of town. Mm -hmm. You don't see the payday loan institutions up in Highland Park. Mm -hmm. You don't see them up there. They're always down taking advantage, rich people eating off of somebody that's poor. I think I I may have mentioned Mm -hmm. you, and I'll shut up in a minute, but I may have mentioned No, 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 please go ahead. It's fantastic. (laughs) I was reading an article, I think it was in the New York Post, and it was talking about when the restaurant shut down, the rats started starving. And when the rats started starving, they started eating each other and becoming cannibalistic. Wow. And when I read the article, it wow. with me. Yeah, because they, they, the rats in New York live off of the, 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 the trash cans and scraps that's left in the trash from the restaurants. And so now with the restaurants being closed, the rats had nothing to eat and they started eating on each other. And I wow. thought to myself, it won't be long. Before we're doing the same, rats are used in in tests for psychology. Rats are used in biological tests for mammals, for cures, and, and and that sort of thing. I said, if the rats are eating on themselves today, it won't be long before we're eating on each other. And and shortly yeah. thereafter, here comes the murders and the killings and the shootings. Yeah, and, and we're eating on each other out of the frustration and out of being in isolation and out of frustration. Those sorts of things are detrimental to us as a society, mm-hmm. and we have to come up with a way that we can have a real conversation without getting side, going off on a side trail and talking about all saying black lives matter doesn't mean that all lives don't matter or saying black lives matter doesn't mean that white, white lives don't no more than saying breast cancer month means we don't care about Alzheimer's. Yeah. It's crazy. It's such a stupid <laughs> argument. Anyway, it's an illogical argument. It's it doesn't crazy. make it. And, and the fact that it is illogical tells you something. The yeah. very fact that you and I can sit here and say, that doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. You're a white woman, I'm a black man. We both can sit here and say that yeah. doesn't make any sense at all. And we can understand that everybody can wear pink in October or September or whatever yeah. month it is and, and, and celebrate a breast cancer month without that being an indictment against Alzheimer's or prostate. Another thing. Yeah, we don't see anyone else freaking out and saying, oh, but all other illnesses matter. They <laughs> Exactly. There's a focus on, on what is the emergency at the moment. What is the emergency at the moment? You don't drive the street down the street with a, a fireman on a truck and, 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 and put water on every house because you want to be fair. You put the water on, on the, the burning house. house. On fire, you know, exactly. Those sorts of things. We get into these little trails on purpose mm. to alleviate us from the responsibility of having to deal with the issue, we find an out clause through which we can exempt ourselves from the responsibility and the hard work of taking ownership and responsibility for rehabilitating 
our government, our world, and our generation. Mm. You said that so brilliantly and so so eloquently as usual. It's just like the way you express things is is it's 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 just so important that we. I love how you've actually said there that we're getting distracted by the conversations. And as you're talking, I'm thinking here people are freaking out about. Black lives matter, all lives matter, and there's hours and hours of energy and time. Now, we could have taken those how many hundreds of hours in the last couple of months and actually broken down, okay, these are the issues in education. Okay, teachers, parents, kids, tell us what you're not getting. Tell us what you need because the people on the, and we could have made lists and lists and started action, but instead those hours have gone into diversionary tactics, battling around semantics. As you see, on, you know, on my page, I'm very activist about and outspoken. We had thousands of people that were Christians that attacked me for being supporting Black Lives Matter, for standing up, for making, not that I, I, I mean, it, I will call, no matter what, I'll continue to do it. But the issue was that they were getting so angry about the word all Black Lives Matter and all lives matter and God loves everyone and God doesn't see color. God made color. It's an it's it's I'm I'm seeing va- I'm seeing value in recognizing that you're black and I'm white. It's beautiful that we're different, and it's in that why aren't we celebrating that? Where's this neutral neutralizing thing? And the church got so it just was the most nasty, unkind comments came from Christians. And I'm thinking, what does love look like? That is not love. That is not listening. You know, and a lot of people that a lot of people were too scared. To, we, we had this conversation with with Chris Kane and with oh gosh, all the people on that panel that we did recently with you. That the same thing that they all they've all been attacked by standing up. So that attack, that energy, that the church, and I want to ask you now about the church because it really worries me what's going on in the church. And you know, you stand you stand as a beacon of people saying, "Hey, listen, that's just not the way to do it. We've got to stop having this exclusive bless me club. It's time for an inclusive representation of love." People would go on my page and say, "But you call yourself a Christian and you're getting worked up about this and you're attacking Dr. Lee for supporting something that's relevant." You know, it, it was it was almost made us sometimes. We were in tears by the shock and the horror. How can you focus on a word when these people people are dying? You know, when my son-in-law is... Oh. It, it's what's being fed to them. I, I've given them a lot of thought and I've talked, okay. to, them. I've talked to people that, that totally disagree with me. But people parakeet what they are being told. Yeah. And it's coming from the pulpits and it's coming from the platforms and it's coming from the articles and it's coming from the news reporters and we just eat it right up and we repeat it and we don't ever question it to see, does this really make sense? Is this really logical? Would I want somebody to bring up my past if they broke in my house, Mm -hmm. in my house Mm -hmm. while I'm sleeping in my bed Mm -hmm. and shot me in my house, in my bed, not doing anything wrong. (laughs) Who would want that black or white? I mean, how can you how can you say that's okay? Oh, you got the wrong apartment, but I'm dead. I'm I'm in my house. I'm not safe in my house. You sleep in your house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not safe in my own bed. I'm not safe in my car. The stats say that we are well, I think it's seven times more likely to be pulled over than our white counterparts. Yeah. So I'm not safe in my car. I'm not safe in my house. I'm not safe jogging down the street with a a handful of Skittles and a bottle of iced tea. That's okay to kill me because I I look suspicious? What does that mean, I look suspicious? My son wears a hoodie. I wear a hoodie, (laughs) for that matter. And these sorts of things that we, it's what it is, what I, Dr. Leaf, I call it willful blindness. Mm. 
Yeah. Ostrich ostrich mentality, sticking your head in the sand. Stick your head in the sand. Here, when when Jesus talks, when the lawyers come to Jesus and says, who is my neighbor? It's because Jesus has asked him to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Mm -hmm. So he says, well, who is my neighbor? Here's the side ramp I'm taking. Mm. I'm being technical about what what this neighbor means. You know, what does this neighbor mean? Who is my neighbor? And then Jesus tells him, he knows he's a Jewish lawyer. And mm-hmm. he said, it's a, pre- a man went down from Jericho to Jerusalem, from Jerusalem to Jer- Jericho, and fell amongst thieves, stripped him wounded, and left him half dead. And Jesus says, a Levite came by and looked over where he was and then turned around and passed by on the other side. That's willful blindness. I saw it, uh, but totally. I chose not to see it. Okay? And then a priest came by. These were all people that the lawyer would expect, would respect. Mm-hmm. And he looked by, looked at the man and passed by on the other side. Anytime you live in a world that you have an option to ignore people in other worlds, that's white privilege. That's privilege, yeah. That's privilege. If you have the option to willfully ignore, it's white privilege. It's white privilege. Yeah. And, 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 it, and that's what Jesus is, is alluding to. When he shows him the priest and he shows him the Levite and shows them how they are willfully blind. And then he says, mm-hmm. a good Samaritan came where he was. Why does Jesus tell us the ethnicity of the good Samaritan? Why didn't he say a good person, a good man, a good brother? The fact that he pointed to a good Samaritan mm-hmm. was because there was racial tension between the Jews and the, and Samaritan. the Samaritans. You will remember that the woman at the well said, mm. your people have no dealings with my people. Yeah. Why are you down here talking to me? The Jews and the Samaritans were the blacks and the whites of America. So Jesus is suggesting to the mm. lawyer that the good Samaritan came where he was and got down off his beast, poured in the oil and the wine. What the problem with the church today is that we're not the good Samaritan. We're the Levite and the priest. Mm. And we pass by on the other side. We look over there. I don't have to go in that neighborhood. There's nothing in that neighborhood I need. So I don't care what's going on with that neighborhood. I don't Mm. care that those children don't have food. I don't care that they don't have clothes. I look at them. Why are they angry? Why are they shooting? Why are they talking like that? They're desperate. They're distraught. They're they're hungry rats that are left without food. And so Mm. we pass by on the other side. Except, except at Thanksgiving, we give them a turkey. And we, and we go over there with turkeys and we hand out turkeys at Thanksgiving and we give them toys at Christmas time and we say, I care about them. But the problem it's is patronizing. It's not even. Yeah. What about the other 363 days? Exactly. Of the year? You know, and so what we have to do is deal with these systemic problems, these willful blindnesses. And, and then our community has a lot, a lot, a lot of work to do. There's black-on-black crime. Mm-hmm. There's, uh, there's teenage pregnancies. There's an absentee mm-hmm. father in the home. There is, I'm not exempting us from the work we have to do. Mm-hmm. But if you think about living in a community where there's gang violence, normally if you have violence in your community, you call the police. They but call you, the police. You can't call the police if they're going to kill you, too. So, so What do you do? Yeah, you're living in it's, it's, You can't do anything. You're trapped. So you have to join a gang to survive. It's like the rats will eat each other. You, you have to prove, get on yeah. the side uh, in order to survive. Yeah. Understanding that, understanding that if a person gets out of jail and we're far more likely to be incarcerated. And if we get out of jail and, and we can't get an apartment because it's on the application, have you ever been in prison? And we can't get a job because it's on the application. Have you ever been arrested? If I can't get a place to stay and I can't get a job, how do you expect me to get up on my feet? 
Exactly. You know, it's, 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 it's impossible. It's, so you can't give me a spoon and give yourself a shovel and then say, dig your way out. This is America. This is the land of possibility. What about, somebody hit me up on social media and said, if America was so unfair, what about Oprah Winfrey and Will Smith? And they started naming all of these people that were black and had been successful. And I said, the very fact that you can name us is a sign that, that there aren't that, many of you. There aren't many of us. You can't name all the whites, except no, no. But you can name you can name the black people. Yeah, you can name them. It shows the disparity. Yeah, so there's a huge disparity there, and so we have to fix it. We have to do our end. Society has to do their end. But I'm encouraged because I saw black, white, and brown people out there marching together. Most of them peaceful demonstrations, saying saying that we mattered. I'm encouraged because when the Me Too movement broke out, there were men standing with women saying you matter. See, it's not when the victim marches that the world changes. It's when the person who could have been willfully blind marches Mm. that the world changes. It's Jesus turning to the disciples and saying, can you but stay awake with me for about an hour? He didn't say, can you march with me? That's really what Jesus was saying. Can you march with me? Can you stand with me? Yeah. We don't have to ask what would Jesus do. He he told us clearly in the Good Samaritan story what he would do and what his values were and who he saw as neighbors. And it wasn't controlled by zip codes. He, he, he saw all of humanity. God Belief, culture. Yeah, not just America. God bless America. Yeah, but if God blesses America and doesn't bless Australia and doesn't bless Africa and doesn't bless Europe. Pointless. It, it means nothing at all. So our vision of God has to go beyond our experience. Most Americans don't have a passport. The vast yeah. majority yeah. of Americans have never been outside of the country. So we have ideas about other people, not just black people in the country, but other people from other countries based on what we see on TV, because we have never had to go and look on the other side. I find the easy mm. people to relate to are people who are well-traveled. This podcast was made possible by Higher, the best children's multivitamin out there. Typical children's vitamins are basically candy in disguise filled with two teaspoons of sugar, unhealthy chemicals, and other gummy junk growing kids should never eat. That's why Haya was created, the pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin created by two dads tired of children's vitamins that cause more problems than they solve. As a mom, I'm always trying to make sure my children only get the best ingredients and always trying to make sure they get all the vitamins and nutrients they need, which is often a bit of a struggle. But Haya makes everything so easy and convenient. And after extensive research into the ingredients, I truly believe I'm giving my children the best of the best. Haya is made from a blend of 12 farm fresh fruits and vegetables and supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals known to help support a healthy immune system, energy levels, brain function, mood, teeth, bones, and more. It's non-GMO, vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, nut-free, and everything else you can imagine. We've worked out an exclusive offer with Higher Health for their best-selling children's vitamin. This is just for cleaning up the mental mess, podcast listeners. Receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to higherhealth.com forward slash Dr. Leaf or enter the code Dr. Leaf at checkout. That's H-I-Y-A 
H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash Dr. Leaf and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Full discount applied at checkout. The link and offer details will also be in the show notes. You know, I mean, we moved to this country, Bishop Jakes. My kids were in the eight, sort of eight, nine, tw- 12, 15, sort of in that range. The first day they went to school, this little private school, they, they were asked, do you have lions in your garden? Do you live in the jungle? Because we were from Africa. Do you speak English? And they were speaking in this like pigeon language. You cannot believe the things that my white children got asked by other kids because of Africa. So that, that bias exists there as well. They have no idea that, that, that you could be downtown Johannesburg looks like downtown Dallas. And maybe exactly. better, maybe, maybe better, to be honest. <laughs> Not sure <laughs> about know, that. You know, Cape Town. Is, is is one of the most beautiful cities. cities I've yeah, ever been yeah for sure. You know, it's just breathtaking. I've gosh, never seen anything it like it in my life. And when you look at that, it goes to show how narrow, how narrow our love walls are. Yes. Our love walls are so narrow that 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 few there be that can find mm-hmm. it and walk in it because it is so narrow. And yes, we decorate our platforms with a mm. little bit of diversity. Yeah, decorate our platforms. I love that. Yeah, we decorate dig, our dig. platforms <laughs> with a little bit of diversity. It's the end thing to do. It's fashionable. Oh, very, very fashionable, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we have a few people that are different up there and one Asian over in the corner and a couple of black people, maybe a, a Mexican running the town board. And, and we say, look at us. We're, we're, we're a diverse church, we're yeah. very diverse. But diversity is, one person says, diversity is inviting me to the party. Inclusion. It's not the cosmetic surgery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not the, inclusion is asking me to dance. So it's one thing to decorate your stage. It's another thing to put me in your life and Mm -hmm. and to to find out I love my kids like you love your kids. And maybe my mother-in-law gets on my nerves like your mother-in-law gets on your nerves. And you find out that we're, we're not that different. But that has to go beyond diversity to inclusion to find out that we're Americans. In the absence of us including each other, our enemies, like on September 11th, 9-11, come in and show us what it means to be an American because they kill us all. Democrats, mm-hmm. Republicans, gay, straight, Christians, non-Christian, they kill us all. There's no, they, yeah. They, I killed Americans. Yeah. COVID-19 comes over here. It doesn't regard state lines, federal lines, county lines, global, yeah, global same. Lines, rich people, poor people, black people, white people. It kills indiscriminately across yep. the board. Why do we need our enemies to teach us that we are one people? Mm. You it's, know, yeah. it's terrible. It's terrible. And it's time. And maybe this is the time now that we can see that we, that as, as humanity is globally facing the same common enemy with COVID and how that's taken the lid off. And now we've got this next terrible enemy of racism that has to be dealt with, that we can, we cannot put the lid back on, that this is the time now for us to get into that state of enhancement where we start listening to each other. And it's practical. We've got to get practical. And Bishop Jakes, I mean, you and I can talk for hours and hours and hours. This is the most important conversation. And, and I want to continue. I want to respect your time. How can we turn this conversation into something very practical that as a challenge that we can put out to the listeners that are listening to to us now? Because I'm committing to this 
to this change totally and will do whatever I can to support you and whatever I can in my own capacity to bring shift from the the diversionary tactics that are playing around with semantics to action so that we can get a what are the action steps that we can. I think that we, everyone can write their, their elected officials and say that these issues matter. Qualified immunity needs to be taken care of that the unions, the police unions have exceeded their power. I think that we should talk, write them and say, we want to know what agenda do you have for underserved communities? And we're going to hold you accountable. The most white evangelicals have been taught that only two things matter, same-sex marriage and abortion. Yes, they cannot get beyond that. that, that, That's all that matters. Doesn't matter that we can't breathe. It doesn't matter that we're drinking dirty water like Flint. It doesn't matter that we're going to all end up here comatose with COVID nineteen as long as we don't. And that sixty two percent of people are sitting in jail that shouldn't be sitting in jail. That, and that doesn't matter. None of that matters. None of that matters. As long as we we parakeet what we've been taught. What you can do today is to say, I care about that, but I also care about this too, and I want to know what is your agenda and what are your plans. And not just, oh, I love everybody, or I'm colorblind. No, what are your plans to fix Mm. this problem? Mm. And then go to the polls for the person who has the best strategy to to bring about equality for all of humanity. Mm. And what you make happen for other people, God will make happen for you. Mm, the best strategy that is equality for all humanity. For all find humanity. at the polls someone who's actually representing that. Yes, yes, and hold them accountable to that, and, and not play into this narrative that that is built on fear and hatred and violence and anger, no matter where it comes from. And and it, black people can be racist too. So no matter where it comes from, to reject that propensity. And, and to hold people accountable. That's something you can do today. The other thing you can do is take the risk of saying something wrong. Even if you get criticized in social media, say something or ask something. Put it in the form of a question. A lot of times we, we put unharvested thoughts out on social media, things we haven't thought through well. Mm, too much. being mm. incubated. So rather than to make a statement, ask a question mm. and say, I'm interested in understanding what it's going to take to fix this problem. And then just listen at the comments and, and just listen at what makes sense and what doesn't make sense. Make friends with somebody that's different than you. Mm. I mean, you and I couldn't be any more different. You're white and a woman and yeah. from, from uh, another South country, Africa, <laughs> a completely different country. We couldn't be any yeah. more different. Yeah. And it doesn't hurt us from having a great conversation. Exactly. Great time, mutual respect for each other. Exactly. We sit down and talk for hours. And, yeah. and that's fine. We have to find out how to make that happen in this country and understand you have a ministry. I have a ministry. Me supporting you doesn't take anything away from me. No, it enhances. Exactly. We grow. We grow together. Yeah. And and if we can get that to happen in the country, what's happening Mm -hmm. right on this conversation? Just, I had a guy say something, and it's a simple statement, but it left a deep impression on me. He said, the kingdom of God advances amongst friends. Mm, I love that. I love it. I love it. I love it. It is so Mm. true. 
The kingdom of God advances amongst friends. It won't advance if we don't become friends. Okay? Jesus said, henceforth, I call you no longer servants, but friends. Friends. For servant knoweth not what his master doeth. Mm. So, so developing friends beyond your comfort zone. Eat, mm. eat the food. You know, have a conversation. Mm. Come over to my house. Worship with me. Don't always make racial reconciliation my ability to come up under your rule. Mm. Get out of your comfort zone and, and come in and sing my songs mm. and, and listen to the way I worship and develop an appreciation for our differences. Stop saying you're colorblind because you're lying. Uh, yeah, you're lying. Uh, if I go to the makeup counter with you, you're not colorblind. No. If I go to the department store, you're not colorblind. You can if decorate you your house. house. You can decorate <laughs> your house, you're not colorblind. You get ready to dye your hair, you're not colorblind. Why, when it comes to me, you have to go blind to love me? That means you have to excuse my color. You have to go blind to my color. Wow. To, to love me. Uh, like it's a mistake. It's yeah, like it's a mistake. And oh my goodness, yeah. yeah. I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't see it. No, yes, I see. I see you white. I see yeah. you white. I can tell you're a woman. There, yeah. there, there's no reason. And I res- yeah, and I see you black and I see you a man and I respect that. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. Just the way it is. You don't have to change anything. I love no. your accent, by the way. <laughs> I, I would just have you talk about anything just to hear you talk. So, <laughs> so appreciating those distinctions is what makes the world interesting mm. and wonderful and marvelous. So that's something that they can do to begin yeah. to make a difference. And, and instead of just narrowing down the discussion to abortion and and who has the most abortions between blacks and whites yeah adopt one of those black children that are the last to yeah. be adopted in a process of adoption mm-hmm. go out there and adopt be an answer not a problem, problem. Don't, I, yeah. I, I don't need another question i need an answer mm. i tell people if you make yourself an answer you'll always have a friend mm. that's incredible if you just make yourself an answer, and and I know that the people listening at us are at different mm. socioeconomic levels yeah. of life, and you can't feed the world, but you could feed a family, or you could feed one person, exactly, or or you could you could check on one elderly person in COVID nineteen mm. that's different from you, or some old mother that that doesn't even know you, and you can reach out to them and show kindness. We can work with our churches between each other better, much more effectively. Mm. Those sorts of things are things that are within our resource. We want to give people a to-do list. Those sorts of things would be very helpful. You can take one of these, a group of these kids, when you're going fishing, take some of these fatherless kids who have never had a fishing rod in their hand in their life, take them fishing with you. Take them. I, I swear they won't bite. Take them fishing mm. with you. Let them have that experience. Let them learn that white people are nice. Because they may not know that. No, they might they not know that white people are nice. They just, yeah. they just had such a bad experience. Yeah, either a bad experience or no experience. They mm-hmm. may live on the other side of the tracks where they don't interact with white people. And so take them, <laughs> my my son and I and my son-in-law got ready to go fishing. And we had all the equipment and everything. And I have a little lake in the back of my house. We were going to go fishing. It's back behind my house. And we were going to go fishing in it. And none of us knew how to do it. You had all the equipment, but not the know-how. That's, we didn't, we didn't, that's we didn't know how to do it because we come from generations. My father had a father, but he got sick when I was 10 yeah. and that when I was 16. Yeah. 
So I never had that father-son experience. Same. So uh, I didn't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. My son didn't know how to do it because I didn't know how to do it. My yeah. son-in-law didn't know how to do it because he didn't his father didn't know how to do it. So, so, so things that are, I will, I'll say this quick because I know we probably no, 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 go ahead. I can listen to you all day, so go ahead. I was preaching about the Shunammite woman and, and right in Kings, right above the Shunammite woman is the woman whose sons were about to be sold to her debtors. Yes. Yeah, and right, they're right up against each other. One, yeah. one verse apart. One ends with verse seven and the other one picks up with verse eight. And the rich woman gave Elijah a house, a place to stay, a bed, a, a desk and a table and a chair and all of that. And she yeah. took care of him. He asked her, did she need anything? She said, no, you know, I dwell amongst my own people. I don't need anything. And then he asked Gehazi, his servant, what does she need? And he says, she has no child. And I was teaching about the difference between these two women. The poor woman had no money, but she had two children. The rich woman had plenty of money, but she had no child. Everybody's poor in some way. Mm. And everybody's rich in some way. And, and to think that because you have money, you have everything is wrong. Because that person that doesn't have money has something that you don't you have. You don't have I went to Alexandria. You can appreciate this. Yes, yes. I've, I've actually done courses in Alexandria. I've trained people in Alexandria. I've actually have you? Yeah, I, I went. Alexandria to those that don't know. It's kind of like it was a slum area, right outside like a of township. Alexandria. Yeah, they it's call a it a township. town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where they and, would push all the poor people, the black people, were shoved into these terrible areas. That's where I spent twenty-five years, Bishop Jakes, working in those areas. I was. I went over into Alexandria and I jumped out of the car. I started walking up and down the streets in Alexandria, about drove my staff crazy because I wanted to see those people. I wanted to meet them. I wanted to touch them. I wanted to shake hands with them. And and they, they had a poverty unlike any kind of it's, poverty America has ever seen. You, you have to be there to see it. You have to experience yeah. it. You've experienced that. Yeah, yeah, I spent 25 yeah. years, three days a week in those areas, in living in seeing that. This is okay. not that just said they didn't have a dishwasher or they didn't have an air conditioner. They didn't have a floor. No. They had a dirt floor. But you know what I noticed? The floor was swept. It was swept clean. It was neat. It was poor, but they had dignity. And they exactly. had class. And they had culture. Exactly. And they had respect. And, and they community had and support for each other. And community. And, and they love each other. And they get to sing and 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 there's no sound like that sound. Oh my and gosh! There's no sound like that sound. And they get to singing together, and I had respect for them, even though they didn't have things that I had. They also had things that I didn't have. Exactly. They, they know their culture. They know their history. I don't even know what my last name is. My my name yeah. that you call me by is Jakes. Jakes is German. Clearly, I'm not German. All it tells you is who owned me. Mm. Wow. So coming coming wow. to this country means I have no name. Wow. I lost my language. I love this country, but I but I still live languageless and and nameless. Mm. And and the only way I can trace my roots back is to find out who bought me. Wow. Okay. How, so how, I yeah. am I am named. But it get my head around that. Yeah, yeah. You understand that? So mm-hmm. then when you say, just forget it. No, every time you call mm-hmm. my name, I remember it. 
Because when, when I go and get with my African friends and their name is Okutu and they tell you what Okutu Yeah, they get to the whole history. They tell you their whole history. And I say, well, my name is T.D. Jakes. And, and, I, and I can't explain it because my relatives who lived on the other side of the street that were blood kin to me were called something else because we were named by who owned us. Named now, I still you. have that name. Mm. I still have that name. I still remember my great grandmother, the marks on her body where she was branded. Mm. She was 10 years old when I died. So to say that slavery was a long time ago, Mm-mm. not to me. Not for you. I, I, I drank water out of the colored water fountains. Mm. I went to the bathroom and the third bathroom and said, see over it. So it wasn't that long ago. We mm-hmm. choose to be willfully blind to someone else's experience. And so having these kinds of conversations are fascinating mm-hmm. and revelatory. And so what happens is, you take 400 years of abuse and then you come out to a hundred years of the trauma of Jim Crow mm-hmm. and, the, and the burning of black, what was called black wall street in Tulsa and mm, Rosewood. Yeah. And, and you, you go through all of that and somebody says, how come you're not okay? You wouldn't be okay. Either. You wouldn't be okay. You, you wouldn't, wouldn't be okay. okay. I'm, well, mm-hmm. The reason I'm not okay is not by, because of the color of my skin. It is the volume of my experience. Exactly. It's that intergenerational stuff. It's come through. It's in you. It's in your DNA. It passes through. We know spiritually it talks about the, it passes through the generations. We see with epigenetics, the science of epigenetics, that toxic experience is real. It's a toxic tree. It's in your brain. It's passed through the sperm and the ova. It's intergenerational. It's in you. It's in your DNA. Absolutely. And it takes years to work through that yes. and resolve all of the conflicts that come out of that. And, and, and I, I don't say that to make anybody feel guilty or feel bad. I just say that to, to help explain what, what shapes my perspective mm-hmm. and what shapes my worldview. I have always mm-hmm. had to adapt to other people's culture, mm-hmm. to go to school. You've had, had to change to, you to be. Y- y- yes. I, I know all the words to take me home country road. I grew up in West Virginia to the place I belong, Mountain Mama. You know, I know all the words to the song. I, I had to adapt. I've always had to adapt. Most white children have never lived in a room they didn't run. Mm. I can't get a GED without understanding white people. I had to go to to the bank to wow. I had to go to the car dealership to get the loan. I had to go to the to get my house mortgage through them. I had to learn all about them to survive. Okay. But you could get a PhD as a yeah. white person yeah. and never, never go over into South Dallas and no. never learn anything about Watts and never know anything about Harlem and, and be teaching as a professor at a university. Mm-hmm. And all that you know is what you read in a book that somebody wrote about me. You see, mm. so th- those kinds of things, if we can, back to the kingdom of God advances amongst friends, if we can talk to each other, if, if, if women who have been abused and say me too mm-hmm. can be heard without you digging in the trash can of their past, mm. if, if victims who have been shot innocently with no, no gun or weapon in their hand can be heard without you saying, 
Well, I heard he smokes marijuana. What mm. does that have to do with shooting me in the back? Mm. If we if we can just be fair with each other, I think we can have a more perfect union. As uh, the founding father said, who incidentally also owned me. Uh, yeah, incidentally. I just thank you for throwing that in. Incidentally, also. Yeah, yeah. Who also owned me? So don't glorify them too much either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, now, I, I want to say this because. I think they came up with an amazing idea. I love this country. It is my home. Yeah. There's no place in the world I'd rather be than right here. I love this country. Having said that, to deify the founding fathers who raped us, enslaved, enslaved us, and beat us at whipping posts till we were unconscious yeah. and we passed out bleeding no hospital, no medication, and sent back to a dirty hut to get mm-hmm. well and to act like that that part of it isn't a, also a part of the story mm-hmm. is, is to deny of American history and will never get better through denial. No. We'll, we'll only get better when we become honest and then understand mm-hmm that our heroes were flawed and all heroes are flawed. All Mm -hmm. heroes are flawed and all heroes are human. Mm -hmm. But there's a difference between a flaw and an abuse of millions of people. There's a difference between a character flaw. I eat too much. I talk too much. I've had an affair. There's a difference between that and snatching babies out of a mother's Mm -hmm. arms and splitting up a family and leaving them screaming and and beating them to death or leaving them hanging from trees on ropes or murdering them in barbed wire like they did my grandfather, mm. who my grandmother was pregnant and 22 years old, cooking dinner for a husband who never came home because the racists killed him in barbed wire oh, no. in the lake and he came home wet and bloody and dead. Mm. That's You can't comprehend it. Yeah, that's it's the first TV. TV. Yeah, and I'm named after him. And I was born on June the 9th, and he was murdered on June the 9th. That's my reality. That's my reality. And and one final thing, when it comes to the Black experience with the police, a lot of people don't realize that the police started to chase slaves. So the early police departments worked with the slave masters to catch us. So when you go back into the roots of the history of what blacks experience police, when you see police, you see comfort. When I see police, I see see fear. Run, run. As fast as you can. Yeah, as fast as you can, they're going to get you. And and so that that is a part both of our past and our present. And our present reality in some cases. And it also was science. I mean, they were linked in with science and with the medical community where this, when the slaves ran away, they said it was a mental illness. They even had a name for it. You know, and then all the false science with the, I mean, it's just science was in collaboration. So it's added to this. It's not just, it's in the police. It's in the scientific community. It's in the medical. It's in all the under, we've got to go right into all of those systems and look at the history and, and pull that history up. And that's got to be part of the history that we speak about. We have to speak about it because, and especially Christians, because yeah. Christians were complicit with slavery. They were complicit. Yes. Yeah. Our missionaries were our masters. Hmm. Okay. Missionaries our were missionaries the masters. Were, were our masters. 
So the same people who taught us about Jesus were the same people who raped us and beat us. Mm-hmm. If you go to the African-American Museum in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. down in the basement, you will see that the Bibles that were given to the slaves were redacted. Wow. All the stories about Moses delivering the people out of slavery were redacted. Wow. All the New Testament scriptures about neither male nor female, Greek nor Jew, bond nor free, were all one in Christ, were redacted. The only things that were left in the Bible were slaves obey your masters because it was Christians that reinforced slavery. Just just go back and look at it. Mm. Or go to Ghana, to Elmina, and look at at the church in the slave castles. My daughter went there. Did she go? She I, went I, in there. She was broken when she came out of there. They yeah, were. I, I, it, did, it messed with my head really bad. Mm, mm. Uh, most American Christians don't even know what we're talking about. Mm-mm, right? mm-mm. No, it's and, beyond and, belief. I have never had to know because you have the privilege yeah. of willful blindness. Exactly. And, and, and so. You you've never been to a Holocaust museum. You you you've never been to Auschwitz. I've you've been never, to Auschwitz too. You got to go to these places. Yeah, you have to see it mm-hmm. to understand when somebody spouts hatred over a stage. Why that is so scary and dangerous? Mm-hmm. Because history has proven that when power is misallocated without constraint, mass graves are going born to. out of that. And mass pain, mass pain. Mass pain, yeah, yeah. Loss of value of the human. Yeah, I probably talk too much, but. Oh, no, no, no. This is, but this is part of it. This is Bishop Jakes. This is what I want to do is to create a platform where we get this out there. And that's why I asked you the question of what can we do? And we have to listen to this. We have to hear this as as much as possible. It has to be written. And I want to add to just the challenge and something that people can go right from this podcast. They can sit down and they can actually write just their feelings that they've experienced from this. But also, what can you do? You can actually think, look at the education system. Go and I've been involved heavily in the education system in, in South Africa. And there I saw the disparity and, and it's, it's, it's the same here. It's go and go and find your area of interest and expertise and start writing a list of what needs to change and ask the questions, have the curiosity. So you may think, oh, well, I can't just go to, can't just go and change the vote now, right now. I can't change. You can, you can do all of that. You've got to do it, but you've got to start with yourself. Look at yourself, dig in yourself, what implicit biases there are, educate, but also start making a list of what needs to change. And we can ask questions about that. We can go and find out what is actually happening in those schools. What What's happening in the medical community? What's happening? In, and start making lists so that you're aware. I mean, people, you said it, if we've got lists, we can then talk. So from here, there'll be an action challenge. And and, and I've got some ideas and, and there'll be a follow-up from, from this podcast. But this, thank you for your input, your wisdom, your honesty, your vulnerability, your leadership, your activism. It's just so inspiring, but it's so right. We friends, and that's what it should be. God, it's 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 beyond just saying God is like this. It is this Godness. I always talk to people now. Let's rather talk about Godness. And I also always ask the people, what does love look like? And I'd love to leave that as as sort of like a, a challenge. What does love look like? Loveness, Godness is not what we're seeing in society today. And we we as friends can together collectively change it. Absolutely, we're doing it right now, and I'm grateful. And I want to thank. Every non-black person, that's not to say that I'm not thankful for the black people that did everything that they did, but every non-black person who said something, posted something, tweeted something, marched, walked, wrote, did anything to make the world a better place. And I don't say it, I have not been shot down. I certainly have been pulled over. I certainly have my horror stories. 
but I've never been shot. I've never been in prison a day in my life. But that doesn't excuse me for having empathy for those who did. And on behalf of all of those who have ever suffered and all of you that didn't look the other way, I just want to say thank you because it's hard to find anybody in the world today that doesn't make up some excuse to be willfully blind. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. And thank you for sharing that. And thank you for everything you're doing. And may we continue this conversation and turn it into action, because I know that you're a man of action and I'm a, I'm a woman of action. And this is just the beginning. Well, you've done so much already, but I really want to, I want to encourage all the listeners, let's, and whoever's watching and recommitting as Bishop Jakes is my friend and I'm his friend and we believe in the hugeness of God and we believe in the goodness of humanity being able to re-equalize and be human again and operate in the love that we're supposed to. Thank you. Thank you for being you and thank you for using your platform. It'd be so easy for you to look the other way, but you choose to have the courage, the utter courage to stand up for what you believe in. And that is so inspiring to me. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Really appreciate that. Thank you so much. I hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful. If you want more tips and help with managing anxiety, depression, and mental health, be sure to visit my website at drleaf.com and to sign up for my weekly newsletter where I also include a schedule of my speaking events and so much more. And follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look for Dr. Caroline Leaf. Also, I love seeing all your posts on social media about this podcast. I love seeing what resonates with you and what you've learned. So be sure to continue posting and tagging me and letting me know what you think and how these tips worked out for you. And don't forget, leave a review and keep spreading the word about this podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I really hope you learned something new and helpful. Till then, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf. This podcast represents the opinions of myself and my guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for educational and informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional for any individual medical questions you may have. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions or corrections of errors.